Hey, Rich Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. God is good. Amen. Who's excited to be here? Hasn't this week been so awesome? Wow, it's been such a powerful week. You know, this this year in particular, I just feel a little emotional. Just a little overwhelmed by God's goodness. You know, this week, my brother preached on Tuesday. And I was just leading up to this, like, so in awe of God. And as he said, you see us where we're at now. But you haven't seen the last 20, 30 years of what God has been doing in our life. And last week we were in Ensenada with my parents. I love you, Mom. Dad, if you're watching, I love you. And we were just sitting there reminiscing on the good old days where we, we used to go see my dad in prison. <laughs> we would go on family visits. And um, we, would, we would put out a sheet and then play volleyball. And someone was like, you guys would like sleep on the prison grounds? And we're like, yeah, that was like a mobile home. Like it was normal. And like the inmates were like in a big building out there that would go up for their yard and all that. And it was just normal. You know, that's, we did that for five years. But I'm, I'm just so grateful for this fellowship. I'm grateful for my mom for just being obedient to God. And man, her faithfulness, her faithfulness. You know, when my, my dad went to prison, I was in third grade. She was pregnant of my youngest sister. You know, my dad met Adeline in court when he was handcuffed. And so we're not, we weren't supposed to make it. But God... But God had different plans for us. And it was through someone else's obedience and the pouring of this fellowship upon our life and the obedience that we took individually in our lives. We're here because of that. Not because we grew up in this fellowship and we're favored. It's not like that. It doesn't go that way. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Omar, Sister Letty. I honor you guys. I love you guys. Thank you for pouring into our life, for my my husband's life, for being patient with us, for dealing with the headache. (laughs) And shout out to my San Pedro people. All my spiritual babies, all my sisters, all my brothers. I love you guys. Man. So, a month ago, about a month and a half ago, my girls were asking me, so are you going to preach again this year? And I was like, no, I'm not. I'm like, you don't go back to back unless you're Brother Diga, you know? (laughs) You don't, like, other than that, you don't come again. (laughs) And then I got a text from my friend. She's like, hey, friend, send me a picture uh, for the breakout. I said, what you talking about? We'll break out. And in my mind, I'm like, she's confused. She has the itinerary from last year. She's like, no, friend, you're speaking again. I'm like, no, I don't want to do it. (laughs) But you know what? I love this year's theme, Mosaic. It's so awesome. Ever since I heard it, I've been seeing mosaic murals all over my city. All of a sudden. And there's this massive one that's 200 feet long. And it's a representation of San Pedro. And you'll see on it, you know, big birds and whales and starfish. There's actual paintings of people's faces that represent the city. There's landmarks. And so it's pretty cool. And as we were passing by, coming down from the Terranea, we like to go take photo shoots over there with the girls. And we were coming down, and I was just looking at it. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, dude... That's crazy. Like, how does the artist come up with something like that? Like, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of little pieces 
put together to make this beautiful picture. And it's not just little, it's massive. And I was like, wow, the, the artist is a genius. <laughs> and, and as I begin to think about that, I'm like, wow, this is such a beautiful illustration of our relationship with God. God, he's an artist, he's our maker, and he's a genius, he's a mastermind, and we're that mosaic picture in the making, and we're com composed as an individual. We're made up of so much of our environment, of our race, of our culture, where we come from, how we think, the church we were raised in. We're made up of so much. You are who you are today because of a lot of things put together. Not just one thing. You think, oh, this is my personality. I was born this way. No, no, no. You weren't just born that way. And you know, a mosaic art piece is composed of small colored pieces of hard and broken material such as stone, tile, or glass. Get this, to compose either a picture or a pattern. Do you know that you are God's mosaic masterpiece and he wants every part of you, brokenness and all? Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the things he planned for us long ago. Here's the problem, is we take our broken pieces and we see them for what they are, just broken pieces, and instead of allowing God to create a beautiful picture, we take the broken pieces and we just create patterns out of our life. You know, we take the same three tiles that are not broken and we give those to God. And we say, red, white, and blue, sin, where are you? Red, white, and blue, I just need a boo. <laughs> right? We just take those same tiles that we think God wants and we just continue to create patterns out of our life. I want to ask you today, are you a mosaic picture in the making? Are you or a mosaic pattern? If we don't surrender our broken pieces to the Lord, we will continue to create patterns out of our life. I'm going to sweat a lot like my brother, so... And I know why you're wondering why I always wear a hat. I'm gonna tell you a secret. Because I sweat so much, my hair gets this big, and I get like a, a nest under here. So it's just to tame it a little bit. Don't tell nobody. <laughs> so what do those patterns look like? Listen carefully. And as I speak, I really want you guys to be aware Allow God to search your hearts and your minds. Put the wall down for a minute. Toxic relationships. Always feeling offended by someone. Always feeling hurt by someone. Being excited for the things of God one moment, and then the next moment you're like dropping out of a ministry, leaving the church, because just emotional roller coaster. Cycles of depression and anxiety, insecurity, Feeling like people are constantly judging you. That's a thing. Being easily angered. I believe today God wants to restore someone in this place. I believe today that someone's come in broken and frustrated and ready to give up. They've tried it all. And they're ready to throw in the towel. The reality is we can't escape being wounded. We can't escape the disappointment. We can't escape the hurt. We live in a corrupt and fallen world. Many of us here were, were raised in broken homes. Many of us have endured abuse, neglect, reje rejection, trauma. The sad reality is that we will all be wounded at some point in our life, 
but it's our responsibility to treat those wounds accordingly because if we don't, those wounds will get infected. And this is why some of us can't keep relationships. It's because we continue to bleed on people. We have open wounds that we, we don't even know we're, we're aware of. And we continue to bleed on people. And then we wonder why people withdraw. Because it's too much. It's too much. And some people don't know how to help that. Today we're going to look at the people of Israel. These people were experts at creating patterns out of their life. And we're going to take a look at their journey. We're not going to read it all. You can read it on your own time if you're taking notes. Exodus chapter 13. God sends Moses to deliver the people from the hands of Egypt. They were in slavery there. One thing that we have to understand about the Israelites. We don't talk about this much. These people were tortured. Abused. Wounded. Broken. Suppressed. Their thoughts were distorted. They probably had post-traumatic stress disorder. I believe that, that loud noises must have startled them. I could imagine that they couldn't look people in the eyes and they walked with their head down. But here's the beautiful thing. Although these people were completely broken and wounded, God chose them. God freed these people, and no longer were they enslaved to bondage anymore. The debt was paid. God, no, God not only wanted to free the people, but he wanted to heal them. God not only wanted, wants to free you, that's not enough. He wants to heal you. The Israelites had a very, very difficult time believing that they were free that they were chosen, that they were now adopted as sons and daughters of God. They had a very, very difficult time, and many of you have a difficult time believing that you are free, that you are chosen, that you are adopted, that you are an heir to his throne. If you're taking notes, number one, healing is found in our new identity in Christ. If you Continue to believe that you are a slave. You will continue to act like one. John 8, 36. So if the sun sets you free, come on, say it. You are free indeed. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. Amen? Our identity in Christ will be the first thing that will separate our old wounds or our current wounds from our old identity. I love what Neil Anderson says. What we do does not determine who we are, but who we are determines what we do. I could imagine after so many years of slavery that it must have been so unreal for the Israelites to believe that they were actually free. I'm going to tell you why. Because in their freedom, they still experienced pain. And they associated pain to bondage. They never lived in freedom with pain. So when they felt pain, in their mind, they were still slaves. Can I tell you, just because you need healing, it doesn't mean that you're not set free. We get this, we need to get this nasty idea out of, out of our mind that if we're wounded, if we're broken, if we're in an emotionally bad place, that we're still slaves. And maybe you're here and you just, you feel like nothing's changed. The depression, the anxiety, it just continues in cycles and in cycles. Can I tell you that the devil is the ultimate accuser? And he comes to steal your identity. He comes to steal your joy. You know, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And he wants to steal the joy of your salvation. He wants to steal the joy of who you are in Christ. Because if he can take your joy, he can take your strength. And the opposite of joy is hopelessness. And if we're hopeless, then we're depressed. And if we're depressed, we don't see a way out. I 
I believe many of you guys have forgiven the people that have wounded you, which is why you're so confused as to why you're not healed yet. We say, God, I've forgiven them. I don't feel any will ill against them because we're taught this as Christians. Forgive, forgive. So we practice that part. But the enemy says, fine, go ahead and forgive them. But I'm going to accuse you. I'm going to accuse you for what happened. I'm going to blame you for what happened. And guess what? We walk around with that guilt and that shame. And that's why we don't heal. This is why we're so confused. I know this is going to sound very harsh. But I want to say very clearly, I'm not minimizing the trauma and the abuse, anything that you've encountered. But the reality is, it's going to blow your mind a little bit. It wasn't the trauma that wounded you. You're like, no, it did. It was the lies that you've believed about yourself that are wounding you. The strongholds of who you are are wounding you, are keeping you in a slave mentality. Maybe you've been sexually, physically, or even emotionally abused. Maybe you've been abandoned or rejected. And this is what we do. We take on the identity of worthlessness. I have no value. I'm little. I'm helpless. I'm unloved. I'm rejected. I'm stupid. I'm incompetent. I'm lonely. I'm weak. And we make that a part of our identity. A lot of us are not even aware of that because we have such a mask that walks in like a spiritual boldness. But we get those mindsets at times where we're like, I don't even belong here. And we withdraw because we continue to be dictated by the lies that are being fed to us. You know, all these identities are opposite of who you are as a child of God. God says you are chosen. God says you are adopted. He says you are forgiven. You are cleansed. You are made new. You are set free. You are righteous. You are holy. We must believe the truth over our lies rather than the lies. I read a secular article and it said this. This is why some emotional wounds never heal. It's because some people keep feeding their injuries with incorrect information and and every day, which allows the damage to grow bigger. You continue to feed your wounds, feed your wounds, and they never heal. If you change your beliefs, your change Your mind will try to prove your new belief confirmed. And you will continue to get over the emotional wounds. Amen? Is God speaking to someone in this place? And so now we see the Israelites are set free. And they begin what I call a spiritual healing journey. You know, a lot of us just think they were just walking somewhere. No, no, no. God could have taken them straight to the promised land if he wanted to. But he said, no, no. It's in the process where you will find the healing. It's not when you get what you want. Come on, look to your neighbor and say, it's in the process. (laughs) Exodus 13, 17, 19. When Pharaoh let the people go... God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was a shorter route. For God said if they faced war, they might change their minds and return back to Egypt. So God led the people around the desert road towards the Red Sea. And although it may have seemed logical to take the shortcut, God knew that the Israelites would have been endangered. God knew... That they would have a change of mind. God 
knew the people that he chose, and he knew what season that they were in, and he knew that they were not ready. He knew the material that he was working with. He knew that they were fragile and broken and wounded people. You know, sometimes we treat God like he doesn't know what he's dealing with. We take our brokenness and our wounds and we say, God can't use this material to create something beautiful. You know, God doesn't need beautiful to create beautiful. First Corinthians 127, but God chose the foolish things. That's you. That's me. You a fool. God chose the weak things. That's me. That's you to shame the strong. You know, sometimes we want a quick fix at being healed. Who's been there? We too want to take the shortcuts. Some of us come to God because we're only looking for a savior of the pain, but we're not looking for Lord of our life. Some of us come to God because we're looking for God to remove the pain and the emotion, but we have no intent to surrender our life, our entire life to him. You know, I've seen this far too many, many times growing up in church that people come in broken, their marriages are broken, their finances are gone, their family is in shambles, and they come in and they're desperate. And you know, God, he's so awesome that, that he does a work in their life. He restores their marriages. He gets them awesome jobs. But guess what? When they're good, they bounce. That's been some of you. When you're good, you're like, peace out, God. Peace out, church. We cannot take shortcuts. I can say this with boldness, that many of you have opened the doors to new age activity because you are trying to find a quick fix at your wounds and you are looking to the card reading. You are gathering your crystals of hope and joy and you are putting the sage up in your home to get, try to get, of the, get rid of the evil spirits. Guess what? Woo! You're going to be opening up doors. You're going to end up with some real mental disorders. What was meant to be just a light depression, you're going to end up with tons of voices up in there. Demons prey on wounded people because they know that they can get desperate. Wounded people get desperate for immediate relief. Come on. We got to get desperate for God. There's no shortcuts in the kingdom of heaven. We see in scripture that God, he says that there were one moment from turning away. This tells me that the Israelites had not fully repented of their old ways of thinking. This was Egypt here. That's the promised land. And so they went from here, I believe, to here. The promised land was that way. They made a slight turn. They didn't make a complete turn. If we are going to find healing, we need to repent completely. Like I said, there's no shortcuts in the kingdom of heaven. There is no way our wounds can be healed if we don't repent. There's no way. I understand that when we first come to God, we're not going to have a quick change of mind. I understand that. God knows where you're at and what season you're in. But our wounds will remain open and unhealed if we don't repent. Repentance is to have a complete change of mind and to turn away. So it's making that subconscious decision, that conscious decision that I'm turning away. And then now your actions follow. It's not just going up to the altar saying a prayer and saying, okay, I'm good. You know, as believers, we are really good at saying, 
Like, I don't do certain sins anymore because I want to be a good Christian. And the sin, the big sins that everybody keeps pointing out, I'm going to let them go too because I want to fit in. Can I tell you that a, a change of mind, just because you had a change of mind doesn't mean you had the right change of mind. A lot of us have changes of mind, but it's not the right change of mind. We need to acknowledge and identify. Acknowledge that there has not been a true surrender. We need to identify the wounds, which are the lies of the enemy. Identify those. But this is what we do. We remove the big sins and replace them for other sins that are not so obvious. And we take one coping mechanism and we replace it for another. We exchange the fornication, the drugs, the alcohol, and we exchange it for pride, anger, envy, self-indulgent, idols, pills, pornography. You know the sin that no one sees but it still makes you feel good? It's that immediate relief that we get when we're down and it's on a Tuesday because it's not church that night, so you got to do something else. We are so eager for shortcuts because we have not made a complete change of mind about who God is and what he can do in our life and what he should be replacing this is why our wounds are still infected because we continue to replace the king for temporary fixes. This is what it sounds like to completely repent. You say, starts with an acknowledgement and identifying. I acknowledge that I'm turning away from that sin because I've used it to soothe my wounds. I have used that sin as a coping mechanism. I have used that sin for temporary excitement and pleasure. I have used that sin to replace the function of the Holy Spirit. You acknowledge, you identify, and then you turn away. You don't go back to that. You move forward. Number three, healing is found when we trust God wholeheartedly. Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Wherever you go. Or wherever he leads you. Now wherever you decide to go. After God takes the Israelites the long way, so he set them free. He doesn't take them through the shortcut. They're, they're going through the long route. You can go back and read Exodus 14. God instructs the people to camp by the sea. God is very specific where he needs them to be. He's very, very specific. It may not have made sense to the people, but God already knew what was ahead. God is one step or even more steps ahead of you. And we need to trust him. God knew that the Egyptians were going to come back. The Egyptians were going to say, we're crazy. How, how did we let our slaves go? Let's go back and get them. And God already knows that the enemy is coming back. And he says, listen, park yourself right there by the sea. And they're like, why? It's cold. The mist is hitting us. No, no, no. Park yourself there. Okay? You know, God knows that the enemy is coming back for you. The enemy does not stop. He does not rest. We need to stop questioning God and start trusting him. You know, I'll skip a little ahead. When the Egyptians came back, this is when we see Moses split the Red Sea. And they walked on dry land. And the Egyptians were killed. So God knew exactly where they needed to be so that he can have his hedge of protection upon them. Exodus 14.10, as Pharaoh approached the Israelites, looked up, 
And there were the Egyptians marching after them. And they were terrified. And they cried out to the Lord. They said, Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? Check out that distorted thinking coming up. What have you done to us to bring us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Can I tell you, if you, if God has delivered you, if you have truly repented, no devil in hell can touch you. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. There is a reason why God has you in a certain location. There's a certain reason why God is sending you to certain locations. There's also a reason why he's keeping you from certain relationships. He's keeping you from certain situations because God knows what is ahead of you. He knows that you're fragile and that you're broken and that you ain't ready for all that. Many of us don't listen to God, and we position ourselves where we want to be. Then we wonder why the hedge of protection is not upon us in our family. God has this umbrella, this beautiful umbrella, and it's, he says, you stay within these boundaries, and I will protect you. But when we come out of those boundaries, and we take those shortcuts, we put ourselves in positions we shouldn't be. We wonder why we're so easily enslaved by the enemy again. And so it came to pass, the Egyptians came close to capturing the Israelites again. Imagine if the people were located in a different place. They would have been killed. We see in chapter 14, Exodus 14, God splits the Red Sea. You know, we're going to face many scary, scary situations. And we're going to have many moments of uncertainty. And sometimes the enemy will come close enough to you to make you believe that he has power over you. He will chatter in your ear and make you believe that he still has you. He will put you up of a up of a corner where you see no exit, where you see no exit. You know, by the sea there was no exit, but God made a way. You're in a situation right now where God told you to be, but you don't see the exit. And God says, trust me, if you are where I told you to be, the hedge of protection will be upon you. Wow. We're so stubborn sometimes. <laughs> you know, sometimes we just want to do what we want to do. I, I hear this, this phrase all the time. I'm going to just do what makes me happy. Okay, you go do that. You're going to be happy for a little bit. But you're going to come back crying. You know, so we need to speak to the enemy. We're, when we're up against that wall and we don't see the exit, we need to say, enemy, I don't see an exit, but my God is a miracle working God and he will make a way out because I am where he wants me to be. We need to start talking back. We like to talk back to people, but when it comes to the enemy, we just sit there and we shut up. Many of us have a hard time trusting God because we have a distorted view of him. This is something very, very real. And I was counseling a sister, and I, I told her I would share a little bit of her testimony. Uh, she does, she's not part of this network. I haven't even met her in person, we meet online. And, you know, she came, she reached out to me on Instagram, and she's like, I am suicidal. You know, she's, she's a little older, probably 40s and her 50s. She just, her picture, she was so sweet, little glasses. I'm like, oh, wow. And she's like, I, I, I just want to kill myself. I'm having issues, and I don't know what to do. 
And as we started to meet, and you know, this, this woman, she she's, she's serves at her church. She's in hospitality. A woman of faith, she could repeat the scripture to you. She's so sweet and loving. And I'm like, how can she, like, be at this place in her life where she's so anxious and, like, wants to kill herself? And so as we begin to speak, as I begin to ask her questions and draw things out, you know, one day she was just in, in a venting a little bit. And she goes... I don't know why God keeps allowing people to hurt me. I was like, hmm. God. He keeps allowing people to hurt me. This has been my whole life. People keep offending me and hurting me. Why doesn't God protect me from that? You know, sometimes we get into this mindset that that God is allowing things to happen in our life and that it's his fault. And if he's the Lord of all, why didn't he protect us? Where was he at? Or we begin to see God as we were treated by our parents. Very maybe stern. If you don't do the right thing, I withhold love from you. I don't hug you. I don't kiss you. You go to your room and isolate And we begin to see God in this image. And it's a distorted view of God. We need to take the character of God. We need to read our word. We need to know who he is in our life so that we can trust him. Because if we don't even think the right things about him, how can we even trust him? A lot of people believe for other people but don't believe it for themselves. We're good at like giving counsel and praying and prophetic words. But when it comes to us, we're like, you know, I'm I'm just not good enough. God is, I've heard this. God is just too busy. Like he has a long line of people waiting for him. No. He's a big God. There's enough room for you. So we have to get those distorted thinking about God out of the way. And learn who he is and his heart and his love for us. Number four, healing is found when we renew our mind. We see the Israelites' distorted thinking is being revealed. They start to think that God has taken them to the desert to die because there was no room in Egypt. That's, it's dumb, right? But a lot of us are always there. I've been there. This is called emotional reasoning. You assume that your negative emotions necessarily reflect the way things really are. I feel it, therefore it must be true. A lot of us hang on to emotional reasoning way too much. We need to get out of that place. Jeremiah 17:9. the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? You know, when we're hurt, when we're wounded, we need to be very careful because we begin to think crazy. (laughs) Who's been there? Your wife, your husband hurts you. Mm. (laughs) And then we begin to say, like, this marriage is not good. Like, he's never there for me. She's not a good partner. This marriage, maybe I should have married someone else. I missed out on the other one. <laughs> you know, but we, we really forget all the beautiful things about our marriage in that one moment. We forget, like, that that's your ride or die. When no one else was there, your spouse was there. You know, we do this when we're hurt in the church. We're hurt by someone. And then that crazy thinking comes up. Oh, I don't like this church. There's too many cliques here. They don't include me into anything. I'm not getting fed here. I'm not growing. But you forget the countless hours that your leaders, that your pastors have sat with you and counseled you when your biological family wasn't even there, your church family was there. We got to be very, very careful 
when we start to think very crazy, pastors, I think real crazy sometimes. <laughs> don't look at me all holy, because you do too. You're like, I don't even get paid for this. What the? How did I move my family from a beautiful city to a crazy city? Like, y'all don't even want it. I don't even want to be here. Right? We get to those moments where we get hurt too. Dang, we ain't robots. Gosh. You don't think we feel rejected at times? We don't get wounded. But pastors, you have to remember, someone dealt with you. Someone dealt with your craziness. We can't forget that's so important to our life. Someone didn't give up on us. And we can't give up on our people. We need to allow God to renew our mind of the distorted thinking. Our wounds will remain open and affected if we continue to allow the strongholds to control the way we think. The sad truth is that a lot of us don't even recognize that we have a distorted way of thinking. We think that's just how we think. This, we think that's how God made us. We think that that's just part of our personality. A lot of us have what's called filtering. Don't look at your neighbor when you hear something that sounds like them, okay? You focus on the negative details and magnify them while filtering out all the positive aspects of a situation. That's called filtering. And a lot of you, you have that mindset about everything. And it's annoying. <laughs> Some of us have polarized thinking. You either think black or white. Either things are good or they're bad. You tend to perceive everything at the extremes with little room for middle ground. Who's that? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> a lot of us think we're mind readers. That's a, that's a real distorted way of thinking. Mind reading depends on a process called projection. You imagine that people feel the same way you do and react to things the same way you do. Therefore, you don't watch or listen carefully enough to notice that they're actually different. Mind readers jump to conclusions without checking whether it's even true. Romans 12, 12, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. We need to re renew our mind. We need to renew our mind with the word of God because if we don't, we will remain wounded. And it could be very subtle, the distorted thinking, we, that we may not even identify that, but I, I pray right now that the Lord will identify it to you. And as, when you come to the altar, that you would begin to make a shift because it's just that shift, it's, it's really just even the awareness. You might not change it right away. The awareness that, man, I continue to do that. And I need to pray over that in that moment like, no, Lord, that's not true. It's not either. It's not good or bad. There, there's room for the middle. And we, we have to be aware that we do that stuff. Healing is found when we are still. As the Israelites see their enemy, they panic. They think crazy. And I love what Moses says in Exodus 14, 13 through 14. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. He's saying, don't be afraid. Stand firm and be still. When we are hurt or offended, the last thing we want to hear is God's going to fight for you. Be still. Because we're ready to take off the earrings, to lace up the shoes, and get crazy with somebody. We need to learn how to respond in a godly way. We need to stop popping off on everyone so quickly. Our natural human response is to either fight, flight, or freeze. We were created this way in case of an emergency. 
Like if we're in the forest with the bears around, we have to do one of those things. God created that in us. But he didn't create this for our relationships with people. And we think that we have to do one of these because that's what's protected us all these years. So these are coping mechanisms or defense mechanisms that we've used. So either you fight, you have angry outbursts. You're always just lashing out on someone. And you never just stay calm to just wait. Colossians 3.8. But now you must also get rid of... Rid yourself of all things such as anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. When you're hurt, don't go gossip about someone. I know it feels really good because you're like, oh, I got them. <laughs> Some of us flight, which is take off, run away, isolate. Some of us freeze where we just allow people to take advantage of us, and that's not healthy either. So how do we respond rather than react? What does it look like to be still? Okay, tell me some practical stuff. We pause consciously. Hold yourself. Take a deep breath before saying anything. Just chill. Try to take perspective. This is one that we have a difficult time do, doing. We're very narrow-minded, and we're set on how we see things, and we don't take time to see any other type of perspective. We need to manage the emotions and think objectively with a cool mind. Analyze what's going on in you. Why am I angry? Why am I being triggered? Here's a few practical things. Respond maturely. Don't react emotionally. Realize that there's always more to the story. Refrain from acting impulsively. Reflect on a seed of truth. Reflect on a seed of truth. Even there's, if there's just a little bit of truth, just reflect on that. Resist the urge to defend yourself and rely on God to protect your name. Ooh, this one was hard for me. I wanted to protect my name. And I was going to sit everybody down to make sure we got the story straight. <laughs> and God said, let it go. I will protect your name. Amen. And so God delivers the people. He guides them to specific areas for protection. And when the enemy comes after them, God performs a miracle, right? We see the Red Sea is split. And then the people walk on dry land. Isn't this an awesome feeling? When we don't know what God is going to do, he just comes through with the miracle. And so the people are excited. The Israelites are in awe. They begin to praise God. Exodus 15, God is my strength. He's my defense. He's my salvation. I will praise him. I will exalt him. Okay, they're back onto that good thinking. You see that? When God performs that miracle, they're not all crazy no more. The Lord is my warrior. The Lord is my name. This is the pattern I'm talking about. We're hurt. We're wounded. We act crazy. But then we're like, okay, God did that miracle. I'm going to praise him. And as Christians, we want God to just stop there. Like, I don't want no more trials after that. Like, just stop at the miracle. We don't need to do no more. Right? Who's been there? You know, a lot of us associate trials with being wounded or being hurt. But can I tell you that healing is found in the trials? Oh, you don't like that one. That's where it's found. James 1, 2, 5, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you can become mature. The trials are maturing you, my friend. Here's the bad news is that the trials are not going to stop until we meet Jesus. The good news is that the more we respond like Christ, 
The more we do things his way, our perseverance will grow, our maturity will grow, and the pain and the hurt will decrease. Trials are good for you. You know, the Israelites didn't finish there with that, with that trial. It, you know, we don't have enough time to go through it. But they went without water for three days. They went without food. They felt abandoned by Moses. They went through it all. Everything we faced, they went through it, except the, without food, because I need to eat. <laughs> uh-uh. The Lord knows I ain't ready for that trial. <laughs> I can imagine that these trials, they triggered. Come on, say triggered. They triggered the Israelites to feel like they were experiencing unjust treatment. I think, I don't think the Israelites expected to like face anything remotely close to what they were facing in slavery. But this is what we call being triggered. An emotional trigger is anything including memories, experiences, or events that spark an intense emotional reaction regardless of your current mood. Triggers, guess what? They will expose your unhealed wounds. In my house, we say watermelon. Because when we're triggered, we're like, watermelon, watermelon, you trigger me right now. <laughs> we must recognize that a trigger can feel like what's happening in that moment is the wound. Let me, let me give you an illustration. Like, say I throw, you throw dirt or salt at my arm. I'm like, okay, like, why'd you do that? Take it off. Like, I clean it, I dust it. But if I have a massive wound here, and you throw salt or dirt at my wound, that's going to sting like no other. That is going to make me go, ow. And that's what a lot of us do. We think that that person throwing salt or dirt is the one actually wounding us, but you have an original wound that's already there, my friend. So when we come to God... Your, your pastor is going to trigger you. Your leaders are going to trigger you. The people around you are triggering you. And you think they're actually the ones causing you the wound, but they are not. Yes, we're going to throw a little dirt at you, a little salt at you. But we didn't cause that thing. That's been there. So triggers will make you feel like, oh, I feel powerless again. I feel judged. I feel unheard, I feel unsafe, I feel unloved, I feel forgotten. We need to recognize our patterns. I love how my friend says that. I, I recognize my patterns. <laughs> we need to recognize our patterns and our triggers. If you are consistently, consistently triggered by the same thing over and over, that's a sign that you have an unhealed wound. Healing is found in our obedience. We're almost done. Are you guys with me? Whoa. Exodus 15, 25. There the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them and put them to the test. He said, listen to this. If you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do, the right, do right in his eyes, if you pay attention... To his commands and keep all his decrees. I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians. I am the Lord who heals you. This is powerful. I read this and I was like, whoa, okay, this is what we got to do. Yes. <laughs> you know, God is trying to teach his people. That is, it's in the process of the journey. It's in the listening carefully. It's in doing the right thing. It's listening to the command and doing them. Not just coming to church and then going back and doing the same thing. This is why you're not finding healing because there's no obedience in your life. 
There's no obedience to the word of God. You don't listen. And you're not doing what God is telling you to do. The scripture says, I will not bring on you any of those diseases. Many of us are experiencing diseases in our life because we're not obedient to God. He wants to heal you, but he's telling you what to do. Here's the thing about emotional healing. It's very different than, okay, we can drive out those demons, right? We drive out demons, we cast down strongholds, but we have to heal wounds. It's a process. And the majority of the process hangs on you. We've spent so years and years saying, Lord, help me with this. Get rid of this. I'm tired of being hurt. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of that. But when have you put your part in? You don't listen. You don't do what God says. You're not obedient to your leaders. You're not listening to what your pastor's preaching. And you're doing what you want to do. And then you, you wonder why you're walking like a leopard. Like all wounded. Right? God loves his people so much that he wants to heal them. He wanted to bless them so much. But God couldn't do more than that they wanted. He was, God is restricted in some areas. You know that. You're like, what? All over scripture, it says, if or but, if you do this, then I will come through. There's a lot of ifs. He's not going to just give you what you want. Here's the sad truth is that the Israelites never received their healing. And it wasn't because God didn't want to give it to them. But because they didn't surrender their brokenness to God. When you hold on to your brokenness. God can't move. You limit him. God can't take something that you don't give him. What was supposed to be a four-day healing journey to the promised land turned into a 40 woo, years of aimless wandering with pain. Some of you were supposed to be healed years ago. And you're still wandering around aimlessly. You're still wandering around, not healed. Come on, people. There's no shortcuts in the kingdom of heaven. There's no shortcuts here. You have to do the right thing. We have to identify the distorted way of thinking. Although the Israelites ended up becoming a mosaic pattern, thank God that he sent his one and only son. He sent his one and only son to make this beautiful mosaic picture out of his life. Last but not least, healing is found in Jesus. Healing is found in Jesus. You know, not even Jesus could escape being wounded. He couldn't escape being abused. He couldn't escape the betrayal of his disciples. He didn't escape the rejection. Many of us think like, God, why, why is this happening to me? He's like, I sent my only son to go through that too. You forget that. We forget that. Isaiah 53, 3 through 5. If we could get the worship team up here. He was despised and rejected by mankind. Come on, you're going to hear very similar things that you went through. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised. And we held him in low esteem. Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering. 
Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Wow. Not, a, not even Jesus could escape the tortures of this life. But he's our ultimate role model on how to deal with the pain and brokenness. Jesus in his last moments, before he was brutally beaten, I don't recall any of you being brutally beaten so you can die because you're still here. Jesus went through all that and not only that, he was brutally beaten and he was tortured, not for himself, for you for your pain so that you can be healed. Wow. In Luke 22, 42, Jesus is praying to the Father and he said, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. God didn't remove the cup, but he provided the strength he needed. Sometimes God's not going to remove the cup from you, but he will give you the strength that you need. And being in anguish, God, Jesus here is, he's emotionally a wreck. He prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. There was a lot of pressure on Jesus. But at not one moment did Jesus say or question his identity. He never said, God, if I'm your only son, why is this happening to me? He never questioned God. He didn't look at God in a distorted way. He knew that God was still God and that he loved him and that he still had to go through this. Jesus was in such emotional distress that his sweat was like blood, drops of blood falling. We see that Jesus went to, to the Mount of Olives, which is no coincidence because this is a place where olives are crushed, are pressed to be released of any impurities so that they can make olive oil, which is a symbol of purity. Some of you are in a trial and you're being crushed and you're being pressed, you're being triggered, but God is releasing all those impurities, all those mindsets, all those strongholds. And he's creating something that is so pure in you. Can we trust the process? Why don't we stand to our feet? Go ahead and start making your way up to the altar. We ain't even gonna do the whole closing like that. Just start running up here. Maybe today you have unforgiveness in your heart. We did talk about forgiveness, but maybe some of you guys haven't forgiven the one that wounded you. You hang on to such anger because you have a distorted way of thinking that if I let go of that anger, that means that what they did was right. And if I let go of that grudge, then there's no justice there. And that's a false way of thinking. You release it so that you are not a prison in your own mind. You do it for you. You don't do it for them. You do it so that God can purify you. You do it so God can kill you. Maybe you're here today. We're talking about wounds and hurts. Maybe some of you guys 
Are you experiencing the hurts and the wounds from maybe losing someone? And you're like, well, I don't have a distorted way of thinking about this. It just sucks that my family member's not here. Let God search your heart right now. Close your eyes. Because some of you guys are experiencing some guilt and shame attached to that death. And that is what keeps replaying in your mind. And that is the wound that needs to be healed. Yes, it's a natural thing for us to mourn over our family. But be aware that there's hidden things that the enemy will... Remember, he's the ultimate accuser. He will say something like, you didn't do enough. If you, if you wouldn't have done that, it wouldn't have happened. And so forth. Maybe today, you're questioning your identity in God. It's so hard for you to believe that you're a child of God. It's so hard for you to believe that you are made new. That he says who you are because you look around and you're like, well, I'm not like so-and-so. I, why do I have to keep experiencing the depression, anxiety, fear? Why do I always withdraw? This morning, God wants to heal you. God wants to restore you. Come on, lift up your hands. Lift up your hands all over this place. Lift up your hands all over this place. Come on, healing on your people right now. Healing on your people. Yes, God, you are so good. You are so good. Your people need a healing in this place. But I pray that you would bring a shift and a mindset. A mindset change. Yes. Can we do one more thing before we really get into the prayer? God wants to heal some of our memories. Baby, can you come to the stage really fast? I'm going to do an illustration. Come up here. God wants to heal some of your memories. And we need a different ending to that story. Right now, as you look at me, go back into your memory. This time, God is going to walk with you. This time, God is going to change the narrative. Come on. Come on, daughter. Daughter, I see your hurt. I see the abuse upon you. Daughter, I see the wounds. And I know that we're in a fallen world and this is what sin does. I see it. But baby, I got you. Baby, I got you. You are safe now. You are in my arms. We end the story because we are victorious. You are not worthless. You are not unloved. I love you. Lift up your hands. Come on, this was for you, my sister. Holy Spirit move. Deliverance on this place. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Come on, pastors. Begin to pray for these people. Holy Spirit move. Holy Spirit move. Yes, Lord. Of all wounds. Yes, Lord. We thank you that you've saved and redeemed. No longer she's bound, Lord. You have set her free. Healing, Father, right now. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com slash give.